You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. Hi everyone, how are you? Good. Turn to the person next to you and say, I am ready to receive from God tonight. And I say back at me, are you ready to receive from God tonight? This half of the room? Come on, young adults. Come on, young adults. Um, I just want to give God glory and all the honour and the praise that He deserves. He's a good God. Um, And this word tonight, I just hope you'll be blessed. It is for you. It is from God. Um, So be blessed. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Dina. I'm, as Pastor Brett said, um, my husband and I were the youth pastors here. Um, And I love God and I love people. And I love this series that we're doing, um, which is used by God. Um, And we're looking at Bible characters who do... Um, extraordinary things out of their ordinary life. Um, And on the screen, you'll see our foundational text in Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. Um, Tonight, we're looking at the story of Mary Magdalene. Now, this isn't Jesus's mother, Mary. um, And Magdalene is not her last name. There's just a lot of Marys, so they just had to add that on. Um, She's from Magdala, hence Magdalene. Um, So now that we know that, I'm just going to call her Mary. So she's mentioned in all four Gospels, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and more often than any other woman in the New Testament. Um, And the stories that we've been hearing lately, you know, in this series, most of the time these characters, you know, they're part of a really big spectacle event, you know, or they're in, they're placed in like a challenging public position. You know, we've got Noah, we've got Elijah, we've got Esther, Moses, and Joseph. So what can we learn about Mary? You know, some of you might not even know her. You know, her story isn't really mentioned much. As I said, it's just an ordinary life. There was nothing big about it. So what is it that we can learn? Um, And in preparing for this, actually, I was reading and it was like, oh, it's pretty ordinary. But something in my heart was like, oh, her loyalty, you know, her faith in God is just that's what we should aspire to be as followers of Christ. So tonight, I hope, you know, you share in that, you get that, um, because God wants to remind you tonight um, of what it means, you know, to be a follower of Christ. And we know what it means, but these are just basic things that we can, you know, that we can forget. Um, but for Mary, this, this is what she did. Um, and it's, you know, to the point in her life that she became a really significant character in Christian history. So if you're a follower of Jesus, You know, as I read her story, when I was reading it myself, I was challenged and I felt God ask me, kind of like a reset. And he said to me, how close are you following Jesus that you actually know his call and that you are actually invested in it? Not just 10%, not just 20, not just 50, not even 99.9%, but 100% invested and that you know what, you know, he has called you for and the purposes he has for your life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. Speak to us, God. We're ready to receive um, and, yeah, ready to be transformed by your word. Amen. So I follow this um, Instagram page called The Good News Movement. Does anyone follow that? No, just me. Anyway, um, (laughs) I follow it because, as it's in the name, they post, like, stories, good news, to kind of brighten people's feeds. Because, as you know, you could be scrolling and everything's pretty negative. Um, But one of the articles was, there was this English woman who had won um, the British lotto, which was an equivalent to 202.4 million Australian dollars. 
Um, but one of the things she said really stuck with me. It's that she was addicted to giving. Um, and in the two years since winning, she had actually already given $88 million of her winnings. You know, she'd given money to charities that helped young carers, refugees, the elderly, even her friends and family to help them buy a house or pay off their mortgage, mortgages. So, you know, with the prices of our housing market, I'll probably finish this and then email her once the service is over and just hope for a reply. Anyone with me? We can send it together. But, <laughs> but the first point um, that I want to get to from that story and what I observed from Mary as a follower of Christ was that she was committed and that she was generous. Luke 8, 1 to 3, it'll be up on the screen, says, Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some of the women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, um, and, you know, all these other names, and they contributed from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. Now, this English woman, right, she'd won the lotto and it changed her life. But Mary had an even better encounter. She encountered Jesus, right? Way better encounter, guys. Just, that's true, okay? Don't think otherwise. Seven demons were living in her, but Jesus cast that out. Now, I can't say for certain what that's like, right? Living with seven demons in you, you know, in that spiritual way. But here's, here are the demons that I see in our lives, you know, things like addictions, things like past hurt and grudges, you know, these, these things that often hinder our, us from living in God's calling for our life. But just like Mary, it doesn't stop there. Just like you, it doesn't stop there. Just for other people who need to know about Jesus, it doesn't stop there because God can change your life with just one encounter. Don't underestimate that. Don't underestimate the one word. Don't underestimate, you know, the one lyric that could change someone's life because for Mary, her encounter turned into a commitment. You know, she toured with Jesus as he preached, as he announced the good news about the kingdom of God. She was part of the many who contributed from her own wealth to support Jesus's ministry. And I was thinking, I was like, oh, this sounds familiar. Because here at Centro Church, you know, we preach, we share the good news of Jesus, we help set atmospheres so people can encounter God. You know, we give of our time, so many volunteers in this room right now, and we give financially, right, for the ministry, for the kingdom. I had an encounter with Jesus that was pivotal and it directed me to where I am today. You know, I had my demons, but my story is kind of the one of a thermometer Christian. Have you guys heard that term before? Thermometer Christian. It's kind of like where your passion for God, you know, your temperature changes according to the environment that you put yourself in, according to the people you surround yourself with. You just, you change a lot. <coughs> And I grew up a Christian, you know, I was actually very heavily involved in church life. I served at Creative at my old church, helped in kids, yada, yada. But something different, this encounter at youth camp in 2018, sorry, 2015, when I was in grade 11, I had an encounter with Jesus that changed me into a thermostat Christian. Because at that point, Right, this encounter, I don't know what it was because I've been serving God, but there was something about this encounter that made me say, I wanna make a commitment. 
Because, you know, as a thermometer Christian church, things, things can start to feel mundane, you know? At that point in my life, personally, I felt like I wasn't seen. I felt like I didn't have many friends. You know, I'm short. <laughs> and because of that, I felt people overlook me physically. But God spoke the words at that youth camp that I needed to hear. Through others, as they prayed for me, they said, God sees you. Holy Spirit is in you. He was working in you and He has plans and purposes for your life. And for me, I, in that moment, in that moment, I knew that God was for me, not against me. And no matter what, God was enough for me. And so I became a thermostat Christian. I don't think we really, do we have those here in Australia? I know they have them in like America in their houses, but if you don't know what it is, it's kind of like you set the temperature and just that's, that's what it is the whole time, you know? And I, I chose to be on fire for God at that moment. And because of what happened at that youth camp, you know, I became passionate, still am, to disciple teenagers, you know? I'm still learning, but I still do it anyway just because I'm passionate. And so, you know, I give, I give generously to Centro Teens. I've served many years on their leadership team. I still do now. And I also give financially. But here's what I love about committed followers of Christ. And I say followers of Christ because it has more definition to it. You know, people say, I'm a Christian. And they just toss it around, but they don't actually follow Christ. They forget what that actually means. So here's what I love about committed followers of Christ. Because of their encounter, they are sold to the vision of the church. And so their efforts, you know, their giving, it's 100%. It's simple. Why would you invest in something 100% if you're not sold to it? If you didn't have some sort of, you know, personal conviction in it? Why, you know, why would you serve 100%? And if you think about it, God gave so much. God sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. He gave so much so that we could encounter Him, so that we can continue to give back into His calling and what He has called us for. And here's the thing, we can never outgive God, which is why we have to keep giving 100%. And church, when you love something that much, when you love Centro Church that much, when you love serving on creative, when you love serving on the service team, you know, and the coffee team, whatever it is, there's never a ceiling or an amount to match when you sow. You just, you just do it, right? It's simple. Um, Philippians 2 says this, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. I love this. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Do you guys work hard? <laughs> Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Verse 17 says this, But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should re rejoice and I will share your joy. Commitment and generosity isn't easy. I'll be the first to say that. But there's a guaranteed joy in it. So church, as you follow Jesus, you know, as if you're like a little scout kid with your little sash, do you have that badge of commitment to following Jesus? Do you have that badge of generosity to serving, not just financially, but your time and efforts into the kingdom? Yeah, do it. 
because God wants to use you. Um, my second observation from Mary was that she was courageous. Now, when I say the word courage, you know, what do you think of? Maybe it's the soldiers fighting in the war. Maybe it's like emergency service personnel, you know, serving day in, day out um, during nat natural disasters like your flooding, your bushfires. Um, here's a courageous story um, of, of myself. So the other day I was tested. So some of you may have seen this on my Instagram story. Um, but Johnny and I were driving and we stopped at the lights. And I look up and I scream. And Johnny's like, why are you screaming? Because he got, he got scared. He felt like a truck was running towards him. Um, and then he saw, and then we just both started screaming together. And then we look, and if you put it up on the screen, there's, there's this, there's this on our car. And like it started moving towards my side. I started screaming more. The cars next to us were pointing. They're like, you have a spider. I was like, I know. I know I have a spider. Um, and then it kind of went to the back. And then we started driving off. It disappeared. We had no idea where it went. Was it still on top? Had it blown off? We did not know. And then we stopped. And it took a lot of courage to open <laughs> the door. It took... I'm not kidding. It took us 10 minutes to open the door. But I lie. I was not courageous because when we arrived at the person's house, we asked them to come outside and do like a 360 check of the car to make sure it like wasn't on top so it wouldn't like fall on us if we opened the door. But that's just funny business. But <laughs> courage, right? Its definition isn't limited to physical strenuous activity like opening a door, but simply put, it's, you know, it's your ability to do something, you know, that frightens you, you know, or rather strength in the face of pain, grief, difficulty, and spiders. But in all seriousness, you know, many know, and I know, what it's like to experience grief, you know? When my mom passed away, it was, you know, it was easy. It was easy to isolate myself in my grief, but I pushed through, and I've seen many people push through. Many know, and I know, what it's like for people to disagree with you, you know? They just, they misunderstand things. They post things about you. They talk behind your back, and it gets awkward, right? And you just don't want to face them. But we push through. Um, here's probably one of the most courageous things <laughs> I've heard in a while. And you may have heard in February 2020 in New South Wales, um, this drunk driver you know, killed the Abdullah siblings. There were um, four, the three of them and their cousin, eight, 12, 13, and 11. They were just walking to get ice cream um, and this drunk driver just, you know, crashed into them. That's, that's four griefs, right? Accumulated together in an instant moment. How do, you, how do you handle something? How do you be courageous in, you know, in that situation? Um, but the parents, Daniel and Layla, they did this thing where they created... I Forgive Day. Um, it was as remembrance of the four children that were lost, um, and it was also kind of a day to help others who have suffered in a similar way. And this is what they said, because it happened in February, but like a few months later, they kind of publicly spoke like, you know, I forgive them. And this is what they said when people asked them how. They were like, our four children are now our four saints, and this day is for them. Forgiveness is the greatest gift you can give yourself and others. The more you practice, the better you become at it. And it allows you to live peacefully and to heal. Forgiveness is more for the forgiver than the forgiven. Now, they may have said it publicly, 
I forgive, but it started on the, like, with an internal conviction, right? That, that was courage. That is, and, you know, it happens every day, that internal conviction to forgive, right? That is, that is courage right there. And the greatest act of courage is to simply, you know, keep facing that direction when everything in you says to turn around, to run, to, you know, to act out or to isolate. Because as followers of Christ's Centre Church, you know, if you want to be used by God, every single day requires courage. And yet we are called to, you know, act countercultural to this world. Romans 12.2 says this, don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now Mary... Mary was courageous, you know, ordinary life in following Christ. But Mary was there when Jesus suffered, you know, when He was walking, when He was getting beaten, He was whipped and then He was crucified. And Mary was there when He died on the cross. Mary was there when they put Jesus' body in the tomb. Mary was there when she came to the empty tomb on the third morning. Mary showed strength in the face of pain, grief and difficulty. And she showed up most consistency, consistently, sorry. Not the other disciples who were out mourning and grieving, which is fine, but Mary showed up. And church, when you are used by God, when you follow Him, you will face difficulties. And we, you know, we read that in Mary's story. And people will 100% disagree with you. You know, you'll face, you know, uh, obstacles and things like that. You may feel like the odd one out. I'll be the first to say that. I feel like that all the time whenever I'm out there. But Philippians 1, 28 to 30 says this, don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they're going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God Himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for Him. You know, we are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past and you know that I'm still in the midst of it. Our foundational text says, so be strong and courageous. God has gone ahead of you. God will not abandon you. He won't fail you. Church, when you are courageous, people see that. And we need more courageous Christians. We do. We need more courageous Christians. And that's when... Um, that's your call to lead and to lead is to be the first one, right? To, to be in front of everyone else. Let's be courageous. Let everyone see that so they can follow because this world is pretty hopeless. This world is pretty scary. So who's gonna be there for them? Yeah. Us. We are called to be that. And I think, you know, that's a significant reason why Mary was mentioned more often. I mean, for a female during her time in con context, right? She was, she was pretty mentioned. She was, she was there and, and part of everything. You know, church, if you struggle to be courageous, all you have to do is fix your eyes on God because He's gone before you. I get it. There's things in this world, you know, medical things that can help you. But if you just ask God for that strength, He's, you know, He's the only one who can give it to you. Um, and again, this is another thing what the um, Abdallah parents said um, that touched me. So the mom said, that's the Holy Spirit. That's God, when you know, they were asked about how they found strength and courage. It wasn't me and Danny. 
It is the Holy Spirit. God turned the tra- tragedy into a greater good, into I forgive week. And I love this analogy that God spoke to the dad. He said, God spoke to my heart and said, Danny, your past needs need to be the size of a rear view mirror in a car and your future and your present moment is the front screen. My last observation of Mary, you know, and her characteristics of being a follower of Christ is, and it's pretty obvious, she was full of faith. Um, We'll read John 20. Um, We'll read that story. So Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken my Lord away, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go get him. Mary, Jesus said, and she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. And she gave them his message. And then in Mark 16, it says this, after Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene, the woman from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went to the disciples who were grieving and weeping and told them what had happened. But when she told them that Jesus was alive and she had seen him, can you believe it? They didn't believe her. How, how is that? It doesn't make sense. Doesn't the Bible say that Jesus tells his disciples, like in Matthew 16, 21, that he was going to be killed, that he, and that he was going you know, to die, but then be raised back to life and resurrected on the third day? Why, why didn't they believe him? Mary was the first to share the good news of Christ's resurrection. So she was pretty much the first evangelist. How cool is that? Like her pretty ordinary life, these ordinary things, and yet she was the first evangelist. You know, if you were Jesus, who would you reveal um, yourself to first, right? The question we ask here is why Mary? Why would Jesus reveal himself to Mary? And you, you know, Jesus could have picked someone important, right? One of the disciples, Peter maybe, or, you know, maybe if it was in our time, a celebrity who could, you know, spread the news fast on their social media. In Jesus's time though, they were probably like, oh, a woman, really? What do, you, what do you mean? Of course they didn't believe her. So we ask, why Mary? And simple answer is because Mary had faith. And in order to understand what Mary saw on Sunday, you actually have to flash back um, to Friday. Mark 15, 46 to 47 says this. Joseph bought a long sheet of linen cloth Then he took Jesus' body down from the cross, wrapped it in the cloth, and laid it in a tomb that had been carved out of the rock. And then he rolled a stone in front of the entrance. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where Jesus' body was laid. So why Mary? Because the first one to see the resurrection was the first one who accepted his death. 
She was, she was there. She was there when Jesus was put into that tomb. And while she didn't recognise Jesus straight away, she had faith. And you know why? Because she faced Friday so she could live on Sunday. Does that make sense? Um, kind of just like what Danny said, you know, um, your past needs to be the size of a rear view mirror in a car, right? What, what you see in the rear view, you've already gone past it. You've already faced it. So face your future, face your present, look to your front screen. You don't drive looking back like that. That's pretty dangerous if you didn't realise. Um, so when you're used by God, church, you will go through a lot of difficult Fridays. I know, I spend mine with a lot of teenagers every week. <laughs> but there is no place I'd rather be. Right, youth leaders? Yeah. <laughs> but we know Sunday. We know Sunday. The Bible says of what Sunday is. Sunday is Jesus coming back to life and defeating death. Jesus defeating evil. Jesus defeating anxiety, depression, addiction, trauma, pain and grief. I live from that and not my Friday. So church, don't just have faith, right? We can say I have faith, but are you full of faith? Are you full of faith? Because that gives you courage. And when you're full of faith, you can be the most committed and generous follower of Christ. And that's it, church. The badges of Mary Magdalene. She was committed and generous. She was courageous. She was faithful. And there is nothing new. There's nothing new in what was spoken tonight. Nothing. But God wants to remind you because we forget we're only human, right? But He wants you to live again. He wants you to be refreshed, be transformed. Church, being a thermometer Christian is hard work. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work with what God has called you for. You know, He is ready to give you the strength to power on. He is ready to give you that. It says in His Word, promises are described. He sent His Son, Jesus, so that we could, you know, be empowered, right? We can't, we don't have to do it by ourselves, but it doesn't work when we're inconsistent. Think of it this way, and you, Pastor Brett kind of already stole my analogy, but that's okay. Don't be a bad manual car driver, because when you fill up, you know, you fill up on God, right, your fuel, um, but you've got, you've got control of the gears, right? You've got control of the gears, you've got control of your life, um, and say you're really bad at driving, and you just keep you just keep stalling, right? You just keep stalling, you're bunny hopping. That's not a smooth ride. And yet that's what, how most people live, right? They live with their hand on the gear stick and they're just trying to do it their way, but it's kind of like, oh, stop starting the whole time. Why would you, why would you wanna be in that car ride? Be an automatic car driver, you know? You're an auto. All you have to do is just fill up on God and you don't need to do anything else, just accelerate. Because God, God's in control, right? Just keep going. It's a smooth ride. And it's not always smooth, but you know, it's straight. It's straight. There's no, there's no distractions. There's no stalling or anything. And disclosure, I'm not negating manual drivers because I myself am one. So, um. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 